Hi, my name is Isaac, lead pastor at New Hope Foursquare Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Our Sunday services are at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Find out more at www.inewhope.org. Every person longs to have a life of significance. We want our life to mean something. We don't necessarily learn to do this. There's no class in elementary school. You know, learn to want meaning. (laughs) We just do. We have this inborn desire to be noticed, to contribute. We, We are beings that are doing this all the time. When I was 18, I left the small town of Cresswell, Oregon. Have you ever, anybody been to Cresswell? Yes, yep. If you've driven south on I-5, it's now, and then that's it, <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> but I left Cresswell to head to college in Los Angeles. And as I traveled down south, we took a stop in San Francisco to visit my aunt and uncle. And I remember feeling so overwhelmed and intimidated by, this is San Francisco, this is a big city, and I'm gonna be in Los Angeles. And we were sitting in a fast food restaurant and the, and the, the feeling I had was one of intimidation. Because I was a small town boy who had very little experience with diversity or massive crowds. And now I'm headed to Los Angeles, population of the area, you know, 18 million people. And there are 224 languages spoken in Los Angeles. And I felt it. We arrive in Southern California. It's the land of people and freeways and concrete. In Crestwell, we had one stoplight. (laughs) They've since doubled their stoplights, you should know. I think there's two in Crestwell now. We had one freeway. It was called I-5. <laughs> but I got to Southern California, and I-5 is not I-5, it's the 5. That's how you say it. And there's the 10, and the 57, and the 60, and the 405, and the 210, and the 134. And I, could you, this is me, this is what I feel, overwhelmed. I felt out of place. And then a Bible college. You know, I, I went from being one of the few serious Christians in my class to being now surrounded by these passionate and talented students. And I felt it. I felt the talents around me. I was like, where do I fit? Where do I fit? Since then, two of the guys that I went through school with, and you know, we were in the dorms living together, two of the guys have since made national news because of their ministries. Not for bad reasons. <laughs> Which is worth clarifying, right, yeah. But for good reasons. One of the guys that I, were ne- we were next door, room back to back, and we hung out in his room every night, is now known as the pastor of Justin Bieber and Chris Pratt. He pastors the church that both of those guys have been a part of. The other, his minister is featured on Good Morning America. And I felt it then. I was like, there's just talent all over the place. I felt like a small town hick. <laughs> Out of place. I wanted to be known and significant 
And how am I going to do that in this place? You see, it's uncomfortable to live an unseen life. We're all wired that way. We may not consciously think about it, but we each want our lives to matter. Listen to the ways that we try to establish meaning. I see us, me included, trying to get as many experiences as we can, believing that experiences beyond normal life are help us what transcend what seems to be so mundane. The National Tourism Board reports that in 2017, 901 million people were tourists internationally. That's 12% of the world's population that was seeking to go to essentially have been there, <laughs> to be here. It isn't wrong to travel, of course. We live in an amazing day and age where travel is accessible. And I love to travel, but there's an unseen belief built in to this big number of 901 million. You matter more if you've been to more places. Have you seen one of those Facebook things that, you know, wherever you've been, you fill it in and you can, you know, see how many places you've actually been? You probably saw it from a friend who really thought they're hot stuff because they've been to like, you know, 35 of the 200 countries in the world or something, you know. I started filling one of those out one time. I'm like, oh, I've traveled a little bit. And then I got a little bit and I was like, I started to feel shame. The feeling was, oh, I guess I haven't, hmm. Isn't that interesting? Where does that come from? We also try to feel meaningful by being successful enough where others would take note of our success, maybe. The car that we finally are able to buy or more likely finance. <laughs> that others would take note and say, that's something. Or we're, we're able to trick it out in a certain way and it looks a certain thing and it communicates, oh, I'm really something. We do that with houses, a certain neighborhood, or getting our kids to be a part of a certain school, or being invited onto a certain team. Or we associate with powerful or beautiful people. Both of those things are why I married my wife. She's both powerful and beautiful. <laughs> or we associate vicariously with the brands and the clothes that we wear. I want you to see every person is looking for meaning and we will try it in so many ways. Accolades, access to others. But in the end, do these things really matter? No. He who dies with the most toys dies. Somebody in the first service said, wins. And I was like, I was like, yes, that's kind of how we live. Listen, nobody dies and on their tombstone is their Facebook been there list. I think, yeah, or number of friends, right? <laughs> Facebook friends. She had 383 friends. Oh. <laughs> we don't do that. I mean, if you saw somebody's tombstone, there's like the places they've been, you'd be like, man, they're still trying to get off on that? Because you know it's kind of meaningless now, too. 
We all get amused by that, but we often live as if that is true. See, we've become consumers and collectors of things and experiences chasing that sense of meaning and significance. Could there be a better way, a better hope? We think so. We think that scripture answers the longing to every human heart to live a life of meaning and purpose. This spring, as we go through this little book in Colossians, we're going to see this amazing juxtaposition. The epic King Jesus that we just sang about is so lifted high by this book of Colossians. The supremacy of Christ comes through so clear. And it's juxtaposed, that means like something that is, seems very different, juxtaposed against this little nowhere place of Colossae. Colossae? The only reason we know of it today is because of this letter that was written. You see, in the end, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that makes us significant. And we'll continue to discover that as we work through this book. It turns out that the glitz and the glamour, the stuff, the experiences of this world mean nothing compared to King Jesus and his kingdom. So the book of Colossians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church. And it was supposed to be read by the church. And then it was also supposed to be read by the church nearby in Laodicea. Paul was a missionary. Jesus died. He resurrected. Woo! Everybody say, woo! Yeah, that's pretty good. Some of you even got the pitch up there high. You're like, woo! Yeah, that's cool. And and then Paul was initially persecuting the church, and then he was confronted by Jesus, and he started to live for Jesus, and he became like the first missionary. He would take the good news of Jesus, and he would plant churches. And Colossae was one of the places that his ministry affected. It's unknown if Paul specifically went to Colossae, but he certainly wrote this letter to them. So, Colossae. At one time, this was a prominent city. Um, We're going to see it's over in the current-day Turkey. It's in um, Asia Minor. And at one time, hundreds of years before the gospel came to Colossae, it was a significant city, but the Romans chose to move the freeway or the highway. And it went through some other cities. So over time, it became less significant because trade wasn't happening there. And at the time that Paul came, it probably looked something like this, where it was marginally developed, but it was mostly just a nowhere place. That's Google Earth's like imagery of it now. You can see it's like fields. It was overlooked. It was unremarkable at the time the gospel came. It is still overlooked, by the way. Archaeologists haven't yet excavated Colossae like they have many of the other cities around. They just haven't got to it yet because it just wasn't that significant. Without this book of Colossians, the little town would not be remembered. But for those who live there, this is all there was. Salem, Oregon may never be remembered historically. Like we're, the, we're the capital of Oregon. But the federal government might move the freeway to go through Monmouth. <laughs> and then we'd all be like, oh, you remember the good old days? I don't, I don't. <laughs> remember when they were thinking about putting Costco in South Salem? 
I was deeply disappointed, by the way. Uh, is Kaiser getting it? Is that what's happening now? I don't know. Kaiser's getting in and out. Kaiser's getting in and out. <laughs> that was the friendliest sass that I, I just want to just say that's like we're good. I will now be a tourist in Kaiser. That's what I'm going to do. See you soon. See, yeah, see you soon. Been there. That's what I'm going to get. I'm going to get the t-shirt in and out. <laughs> it's kind of like radiator springs in cars. Yeah. That's Colossae. Used to be something important, but now it's a nowhere place. Let's read a couple of verses. Paul writes, just notice his affection for these people. He says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And it's also written from our brother Timothy. We'll mention Timothy here in a moment. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. He's writing with such, not like, okay, uh, who are you? He's writing right away. You have significance. Normal little town. Commentators note that Colossae um, and the Christians who were there were like us. They were tempted to be like the big world around them. Not too far from Colossae was Ephesus. And you might recognize the word Ephesus because there's a book called Ephesians that was written to the people of Ephesus. Paul wrote that too. Ephesus was a notable port city. It was kind of a big deal. It was like Kaiser. (laughs) It was a big deal. Part of why it was a big deal is because one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was there, the temple dedicated to Artemis, the goddess Artemis. And a lot of the economy was even structured around the worship of Artemis. In Acts chapter 19, Paul goes to Ephesus and he preaches there for two years. And while he is preaching there, because of the preaching, the economic hold that the temple of Artemis had on the whole economy was starting to dismantle because the gospel was breaking down the temporal things that people were living for. And they're starting to live with meaning and purpose. So the people of Colossae were just a day or a few days' journey away from Ephesus. They would have been drawn by that, that that's what's really going on. In a similar way to where we're drawn to these powerful big things in the world to associate with them and try to find our meaning through them. In the following testimony video from Randy and Aaron, We're going to notice that they, like many of us, are tempted for these big and impressive things in the world to be what brings hope and meaning. But then also what we can relate to, disappointment. This story is about being caught up with the demands of life, stuff that we can relate to, falling in love, fear, hope, desperation, and finally, reaching out to God. We broke their testimony up into two parts because there are certainly 
God coming in in the middle of it. This is Randy and Aaron's story, part one. Take a look. Hi, my name is Aaron. I'm Randy. And this is our story. I grew up in Oregon, went to college at USC. After USC, I went to law school at Willamette in, here in Salem. After that, I worked for the Beavers for a little while, the Oregon State Beavers in athletic compliance. And then a job opened up at USC when we were under sanctions uh, by the NCAA. And so it was a good opportunity to go down there and help them uh, with a, a crisis. And so I went down to USC and I was down there for about six years. To be good in athletic compliance, you had to study the NCAA manual at all times. You had to work long hours. You had to be in there early in the morning, late at night, weekends. It was just a priority. It all times and to be good at it, it really had to be your prime focus and everything else was secondary. The coaches operated that way and so I've sort of adopted that too. So everything in life was secondary and it was a lot of pressure. I'm mean, a mistake and you'd be on the ESPN ticker uh, if football had a big problem. I couldn't let that happen and so uh, all of my time was spent focusing and being successful in that role. I am originally here from Oregon. I grew up here in Jefferson. I decided, you know, when I graduated high school, I wanted to join the Marines, wanted to get away, wanted to travel, see the world. So I did that at 18, served two deployments in Iraq my first four years, and then my final four years up in Washington State. I was an ammunition technician along with a martial arts instructor, and I also worked as the command victim advocate for sexual assault victims. So my whole life I've always believed in God. It's just that I never went further than that. I never uh, went to church. And when I was in the Marine Corps, the only reason I really did go to church was more of an escape to get away from like the crazy chaos versus wanting to have a relationship with God. I worked with USC football and a few other sports. So I have some championship rings, the national championship ring, the Pac-12 championship, a Rose Bowl ring, and uh, it's an honor to have that. So we've won some championships at SC, that's what they're about, and, and I was honored with that. I fell into sort of a trap, um, kind of the, I coined it the Church of Aaron. Materialistic things were really important. Buying things, going out to different restaurants, meeting certain people was really, really important. That lifestyle just sort of encompassed everything that I did, and everything else took a back seat and became secondary to being good at my job, uh, buying the right things, buying a house in the right area, and becoming sort of, the, like I said, the Church of Aaron. I got out of the Marine Corps October of 2011. Aaron and I, we met the old-fashioned way by logging on to an app on our phones called Plenty of Fish. <laughs> we went out to dinner and he let me pay for it and that's how I knew that I had my him. We decided that we're going to get married. Part of the struggle that, that I had personally was that I didn't know if I wanted to have God be in our wedding vows, you know, as a part of our ceremony. And it wasn't because I didn't believe in God, I didn't care about God, but it was because I cared about what other people thought. We ultimately decided to add that to our vows because it's not about everyone else's journey, it's about our journey. Aaron and I decided that the next step for us is to try and have a baby. A year went by, nothing. We decided, you know, that we need to go and see if there's something wrong, you know, get tested. After the year went by, we decided to go to a fertility specialist and we ended up spending a lot of time, effort, money. None of the fertility treatment worked. The doctor said after the fourth try, there's probably not a really high percentage chance for us getting pregnant. That's when we decided that what's meant for us to happen is that we need to adopt. 
it was a super weird time to be successful career-wise and be married and have a house, but then have a dark cloud kind of hanging over all of that at the same time. I was trying to give Randy everything I could in life. You know, I was working hard, I bought a house in LA, we were married. The next step was, was kids, and that's something she really wanted and I really wanted. For whatever reason, I felt like I, I wasn't able to make that happen for her. You know, I hadn't prayed in a while, and I don't ask God for something direct, like negotiating with God or asking for something specific. It's always been guidance or peace, that kind of thing, if I did pray. So I basically got to this point where uh, I was praying one night and I just asked God directly. I asked him point blank, if you'll allow Rain to get pregnant, I'll live my life for you. And so I did. Well, there's obviously part two to that story, because Randy and Aaron were at a crossroads. And so Aaron looked beyond himself and decided to try God. We'll finish the story in just a moment, but first let's go back to this letter written to a bunch of regular people in Radiator Springs. (laughs) Paul goes on. And again, notice his tenderness and his affection towards them, his attention towards them. Paul says, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Verse six, the same good news that came to you is now going out all over the world. Hmm. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Beautiful opening. We'll just take it a verse at a time and make some observations. First thing that we notice, verse three, Paul says, We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Prayers are going up all over the world. It is hard to comprehend the amount of prayers, so I decided to do some math and some thought about prayers. Um, Here's the state of Oregon. I misquoted this a couple weeks ago, I apologize. 24% of people attend church in the state of Oregon. And uh, so let's do some math. That's about attending church regularly. That's about a million, 8,000 people going to church. Gallup reports that 79% of people who say they go to church regularly actually pray. So the math on people going to church in the state of Oregon is somewhere around 796,320 people. That's a lot of people praying. Well, Scripture encourages the Christian to pray at all times. How many of you have done that yet as Christians? You pray at all times. Good. There's three of them in here. (laughs) Keep going. You are our model. I would suggest that most Christians pray in the morning, before a meal, and at night, and maybe on their commute. So that's four times. So given that math, four times a day, that's 3,185,280 prayers a day. But here's the interesting thing. 
Oregonians are a mere 0.04% of Christians in the whole world. That's four hundredths of a percent of Christians in the whole world. This means that every day, the map on that, around the world, there are 7 billion, 300, or excuse me, 763 million, 200,000 prayers a day happening. That's a lot of prayer. Some of you wonder why you're here. How did I get here? (laughs) And it's because one of these people were praying for you. See, God hears these prayers. First John tells us something. John, another one of Jesus' followers, writes to the church, and he says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever It's really key. Whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. So there's a key in that verse. He hears and grants the request of anything that pleases him. So the question is, what kind of a prayer pleases him? Well, Paul is writing to Timothy, who Paul mentioned, in 1 Timothy, and he encourages them to pray for all people in authority, even those people that are in authority that you don't like. And that's challenging for every Christian. And then he goes on, as you pray for all people, he says, this is good to pray for all people and pleases God our Savior, listen, whose heart is, who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. So what we see here is that the prayers that are being prayed for people to be saved and come to a relationship with God are the prayers that very much please God. Some of you have no idea how, why you are here. It's because people are praying for you and you get to hear the message of hope of meaning, of significance, of life, and forgiveness. That's why you're here. Hmm. God, through Jesus, has answered these prayers. Paul goes on to the Colossians. He says, for we have heard of your faith. It was noted in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven, you have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. He's saying, we've heard of your faith. Your faith is notable. You have a reputation. How many know that mostly you earn a reputation? Yeah, you earn a reputation. (laughs) Thank you. My son in the back. Yes, dad. (laughs) He's with me. That's right. You earn a reputation. A reputation is a belief or an opinion that is generally held about someone. These people had a reputation of faith in Christ Jesus and love for all of God's people. The things that remain. Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment? Love the Lord your God, faith, and to love your neighbors yourself, loving others. They were, had a reputation of being people who were like that. They were developing a legacy that we can still look back on reflect today. Their reputation tells us ultimately what is notable. Faith in God and love for others. 
Last weekend, we held a celebration of life here for Lynn Elder, who was um, a part of our church, uh, who passed away after a head injury. And it was such a sweet service. As a part of the service, we gave um, moments for people to reflect on what they remember about Lynn. And first of all, there was a reflection on when she was baptized a few years ago in our church. Her faith in Jesus Christ was a reputation that she already had. She's living for Jesus. It was notable. It was reflected on. It was remembered. But then there was lots of reflection on Lynn's love for others. And it's the kind of stuff that doesn't make the headlines, but it's the kind of stuff that lasts, that we do remember. It was recalled how Lynn would bring Pepsis to Bill Delano right before they would unload the food delivery for our food pantry, that she was so thoughtful for him to to bring him that Pepsi. And he reflected on how he missed that because it was an act of love. Sugar water. And it was remembered because of her thoughtfulness. It was remembered her knitting for others and how she would give gifts to others and baking for others. It was meaningful. And one of our young people, Haley, shared how Lynn's attention to her, taking time with her and seeing her was so meaningful for her. See, we tend to be enamored with the big things, the impressive things, Great preachers, big events, people on TV or the radio, or what do they call those influencers on Instagram? Is that what it is? But listen, loving people with yarn and cookies and sugar water creates imprints that last beyond. Scripture says the things of this world are passing away. Scripture also says these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the encouragement of scripture is to find our meaning and our hope through Jesus Christ. We have to remember what Jesus said. He was asked, when is the kingdom going to come? His kingdom. He called it the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus thought about that. And he said, you know, the kingdom comes, it's like a mustard seed. It's like knitting somebody a potholder and giving that in love. It's like a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds. But that plant, that thoughtfulness, then blooms and becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. Scripture is calling us back to Jesus so that we might be able to experience that kind of meaningful life. It's accessible for every single person through Jesus Christ. Randy and Aaron's story begins to develop that kind of legacy that will last beyond championship rings or houses or image management. It's a story of trusting in Jesus, finding adventure with him, and finding ultimate purpose uh, with Jesus. Take a look at the second part of their story. So uh, after I made that request of God, about three months later, we found out that uh, we were pregnant. Randy was pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) We were so excited. That next uh, nine months of pregnancy just really reset a lot of things. And after Izzy came, there was this sense of, I need to do what I said I was going to do and live for God. We 
moved back to Salem. We wanted to be around our family, but we knew that there was also something else that was a little bit missing in our lives. We wanted to make some new friends, you know, get involved in the community, and we thought what better way to do that than, you know, find a church. So we found New Hope, and, and it was just awesome. I mean, it was the, exactly what we were looking for. It was, I mean, it was relaxed, you know, and it just seemed very welcoming. Uh, like you were just going to some family member's barbecue or something, and you were just hanging out. You know, I really wanted to dive in and learn, you know, because I haven't read the Bible, haven't done any of that. We were told about Alpha, and we said, okay, let's just sign up. It was tough in the fact that I did have a small child, and she was with us at every session. But I think that that's what made it great for me, is that everyone was okay with us having her there. You know, I was in the background, she was crying, people would come and let me hold her, you know? It was very just welcoming and open. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, you're welcome to be there. We decided to do Rooted from there. Um, we really wanted to dive in as, you know, everyone kept saying that you're gonna dive in, learn more about your faith and your walk with the Lord. Part of this journey, has been bringing our family members with us to experience it, and they've been all in. That's what's so cool about this whole process. Unfortunately, none of our family was going to church. They, they just weren't, and so we brought, I think, anywhere between nine and 15 at different times, family members to, to Alpha and, and to Rooted and to church and to just be a part of the experience because we really, it was so important to us to share that, how we felt and the excitement we had with, with the ones we loved the most. I went from, when we were planning our wedding, being nervous that our friends and our family even uh, would not want to hear us talking about God or using God in our vows to now they're coming to church with us on Sunday, they're attending Alpha, they're bringing their friends. Like it's a complete 180. Now I want everyone to know, you know, my relationship with God and I am not ashamed of that by any for anyone that's just questioning, not sure, it doesn't matter where you're at in your life, what you're going through, what you've done, where you've been, that the Lord does meet you exactly where you're at. You know, Jesus died for us just for that reason, you know, so take that leap of faith. I think for me, when I set aside this kind of Church of Aaron concept and submitted to Jesus fully, there's sort of an adventure to it. There's an excitement. Here we are having an opportunity to talk about our story. You know, there's opportunities to participate at Alpha. It doesn't mean everything's perfect and easy. It's not really about that, but, but there's a sense of I'm living for a purpose and something other than Aaron. There's, there's an excitement and adventure, I think, to just submitting and saying yes to Jesus, and I'm so excited about the things in store for us. They're right over there, guys. Let's give them a hand. Thank you for sharing your story. Looks like Izzy is sleeping. My kids sleep through my stuff all the time, just so he says, yeah, just... <laughs> just kidding, bud. I was just teasing, yeah. <clears throat> well, their story is certainly an expression of verse 6, the last one that we'll draw our attention to. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. This good news is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was changing lives in this little nowhere town of Colossae. 
Jesus is changing lives still. Just as God saw Aaron and Randy exactly where they were at and was faithful to bring them to himself, he's faithful to you today. He sees you. You being here is an answer to somebody praying for you. Jesus' resurrection is the assurance that we have that our deep desire to be a part of something significant can be achieved through him. When we enter into a relationship with Christ, we are entering, entering into total reality. And we get to be a part of what is really going on. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you bow with me? That could be you today. Could be you needing to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And this decision might be for the first time in your whole life, or maybe it's for the first time in a long time, and you're putting your trust in Jesus Christ. If that is you, would you just, with nobody looking around, would you lift up your hand to where I can see it? Put that hand up as you make that decision. Yes, I see you and you. Yeah, I see you guys. Yeah, I see you in the back as well. Yep, in the very back as well. See, yeah, hands up all over the place, people making decisions for Jesus. Let's pray with these people. Repeat out loud with me as they begin a relationship with Jesus. Dear God, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, to be raised again, so I can have life, so we can have life. I receive that gift. I put my trust in Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill me. Lead my life. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. We celebrate with some, yeah. Just have a couple of points of application. Next steps. If you are considering following Jesus, you're not sure, you, you have more questions than what can be answered in just a talk like this, Alpha is just for you. We've reserved spots for you. And here's what you need to do. You need to go to inewhope.org and click on the sign up list or, yep, on the menu there. And then from there, navigate to where you can sign up for Alpha. The spring session begins next Sunday. Alpha is a dinner, a talk, and then a conversation that is open to whatever you would think or feel. You experience love and belonging. It was the beginning of Aaron and Randy's story and so many others here. Please, we have a few spots open for you. Sign up for Alpha today. I encourage you to sign up soon because there are just a few spots that are left. Second next step for you is if you're looking um, to make New Hope your church home, we would love to help you with that. We have a welcome breakfast, which kind of introduces you to um, some people on the team and some, uh, some next steps uh, for you. Uh, come to that during the 9 a.m. service next week. And a continued encouragement to pray for those who don't know Jesus. Our mission here is helping people find and follow Jesus. 
Jesus said to go to all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He knew it would be hard, so he followed it up with, and I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is with us and encouraging us to pray for those people who do not yet know Jesus. He is the hope of eternity. And finally, I invite you to come back next week as we continue to explore epic Jesus coming to Nowhere Colossae. We'll continue our series in the book of Colossians. Well, the team taught us this song earlier. We're going to sing it through with them one more time. Uh, It is called All Hail King Jesus, just like our teaching series is. It's all about Jesus who secured his supremacy when he rose from the dead. Let's stand together. Let's sing, and then we'll be dismissed here in just a few moments. Thank you, James.